everybody yeah welcome to worship welcome to the worship of our God everything we do is so you can connect with God amen amen so every song every prayer um, every sermon is to draw our attention fix our eyes on him so welcome today if you're here for the first time if you're watching online I want to say a special welcome to you I pray that you're able to connect with us and Please let us know that you're worshiping with us so we can uh, reach out to you. We will not stalk you or anything. We just want to pray for you and, and welcome you to Hillside. So welcome. Today we have a special treat. I have a good friend who's going to come up and lead us in a responsive reading. Put your hands together. Welcome, Kaylee DeYoung. Um, good morning. I'm Kaylee DeYoung. I'm in sixth grade, and I'll be leading the call to worship um, for Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not 
who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father uh, has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Praise, praise, praise the, the Lord, Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you, you his servants, servants who, who do his will. Praise the, the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kaylee.
God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Holy, holy is the Lord. Isaiah said when he saw what was revealed to him, he just bowed down in worship and said, holy, holy is the Lord. And he said, I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King. God, we bow before you today. You are holy. You, are, you live in unapproachable light, your word says. And here we are, your children, in relationship with you. Thank you for this chance to know you, to love you, to serve you, to be happy with you in this world and in the next. We thank you, God, for your presence among us. Touch our hearts, soften our hearts, draw us close to you. Teach us how to love you more. This is our prayer today. Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Good morning. It's great to be with you today, whether you are
in-house or online. If you're online, we would love it if you could um, check in and let us know that you are here. Um, either way, we are glad to be worshiping with you this morning. We have some exciting community life announcements that are coming up, and so I get to let you know about a few of those. Uh, the first one we're talking about is, um, we, you might have heard advertised uh, hymn sing and lunch, and we had so much fun doing bingo a couple weeks past that we are actually going to do that instead. So on September 2nd, we're going to have bingo and apple pie. And anyone who was here last time, if anyone in the room was here, knows how much fun that was, come and join us for some fun games and eats on um, the second here at Hillside. So we are really looking forward to that. And we also have September 2nd. We just figured that was a fun day to do a lot of activities. Um, that evening at 7 o'clock, um, there's going to be a parent preview night for the youth group. So if you have middle schoolers or high schoolers and you want to find out what fun activities they're doing during the week, come on the 2nd to find out what is going on. And I even wonder if you don't have high school students or middle school students and want to find out what's coming on, Stephen's not going to kick you out of the room. So you might as well come by and see what's going on. So The final event um, you may or may not have heard about I'm assuming, hopefully May, is that Magi is coming in December, and so we need you. We need, we are still looking for some of our main singers, and so if you have been on the fence and you have pipes, um, get off the fence and contact Patty or Michelle, because we need you for those parts. And we also need people to fill the tavern scene. Now the tavern scene people don't have to have acting ability, or singing ability. They just need to be willing to show up in a room and have fun. That is what Patty told me. Is that, and so, if you want to be part of Magi, but you don't want to have to have any skills at all, you just want to hang out with people and have fun, come and volunteer to be part of the Magi scene, because they need you, and it really is a great way to get connected without having to um, do any of the hard parts. So, talk to Patty or Michelle if you're interested in that. And so now, um, we're going to move into our time of offering. And so there's three ways that, there's probably more, but I'm going to share three ways that you can give here at Hillside. You can do it online through our app or our website. You can mail, um, mail in a check to the church, or you can drop off um, your offering in the baskets in the back of the room or in the church office. And so those are ways for you to be able to give here at Hillside. Let me pray for our offering this morning. Lord, thank you that you are infinitely, consistently, and perfectly wise. You've said that whatever we give is acceptable if we give it eagerly. You have said that we should give according to what we have. Help us to bring our offerings with an eager heart, not as a comparison with others, but as an act of worship to you. May we find the comfort we desire in you and the strength we need in your name. May your presence be with us and with those in the world who are suffering, whether they're in Afghanistan, in Haiti, in Tennessee, or in the fire-ridden land of California. Lord, may we just rest in you. We just praise your mighty name. Amen. See the work of your hands, galaxies spinning a heavenly time. So God, all that you are is so overwhelming. I hear the sound of your voice. All at once, it's a gentle and thundering noise. Oh God. All that you are is so overwhelming. I delight myself in you, captivated by your beauty. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by you. 
God is good, and it is good to be with you. We just finished a series on the importance of groups, and today we are moving into a series that can help us thrive in our groups and in our community. I get the joy of launching us into a series on the chapter uh, in Colossians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And for the next three weeks, we are going to be digging into this super powerful and totally practical passage of Scripture. And here's the hope as we dive into Colossians 3. It's that we would live what we say we believe. We would live what we say we believe. So, for example, if we say we believe every person matters to God, then we should live like every person matters to us. And what we will discover is Colossians 3 is going to give us some heavenly habits to apply to our earthly relationships that will result in harmonious living. What about that? Here's what I mean. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Colossians writes this. This is Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, 
which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Paul is on a mission here in Colossians 3. And his objective is for us believers to understand that we have been rescued by Jesus. We were also teleported or transformed into a different way of of living. And I, I like saying teleported. I put that in there because it reminded me of Star Trek. You know, like in Star Trek, when the crew of the Enterprise is in really big trouble, Captain Kirk will go, beam us up, Scotty. And you're going, oh my gosh, they're getting beamed up. Oh, this is so great. And the crew is rescued to live another day. Jesus rescues us. He beams us up into his grace and love so we can live another day. Jesus in John 10.10 says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Something amazing happens when we know Jesus. We are rescued from a way of life that is leading us to our destruction and brought into a way of life that is meant to satisfy our soul. Maybe you're living your life right now, like the Rolling Stones. And you're going around and you're saying, I can't get no satisfaction. But when we surrender to Jesus, you get the satisfaction this world could never dream of giving you. Here's what I'm getting at. Before Jesus, we used to live in sin. Now because of Jesus, we live in grace. Before Jesus, we used to want the things of this world But now because of Jesus, we live in this world transformed by Jesus, seeking God's kingdom. We used to be self-seeking. Now like Jesus, we are self-giving. We used to be in darkness. Now we are in light. And Paul uses the illustration of clothing to drive his point home. He makes the point to tell us before Jesus, we were wearing a certain kind of outfit that now because of Jesus is put off. The before Jesus outfit was actually wrinkled and stained. It was two sizes too small for the kind of life Jesus has in store for us. So Paul uses the image of put off so we can put on. Put off the old clothes so we can put on the new clothes. And we get this. Uh, We put off our pajamas to put on our work clothes. We put off our work clothes to put on our workout clothes. We put off our workout clothes to wear our, to put on our comfy clothes. I love my comfy clothes. And that's the image here. Basically, the point Paul is making is before Jesus, we were wearing grave clothes of sin. In the old life, you know, Jesus left his grave clothes in the tomb. And now, because of Jesus, we get to put on grace clothes of holiness and new life. Look at how Paul starts our passage. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Now, I I love this. God chose you and me to be holy people he loves. Think about that. I love playing fantasy football. And I'm sorry if you don't. I love it. I I listen to podcasts. I read articles. I am into it. And the biggest day in fantasy football, for fantasy football players, is draft day. Leading up to draft day, the experts will analyze and tell you, this is who the best player is. This is who you want to take first. And every year leading up to draft day, us players are sitting there going, I hope I get the first pick in the first round so I can get this awesome player on my team. And it's like this big, huge anticipation thing. God chose us to be holy people he loves. And God's infinite bigness and goodness because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And through our surrender to Jesus, God stacks his team with you and me. For God, you are that coveted first round 
pick. And of course, because we are on Team Jesus, we have been given a glorious outfit to wear. And let me tell you, God has a great sense of fashion. He does. So what's our outfit? Paul says to clothe yourselves with mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I was in my seminary class recently, and uh, the professor asked us, this was over Zoom still, the professor asked us to go and find an object in the house to serve as like a metaphor for what we hoped the class would teach us. It was a show and tell in seminary. You still don't grow out of that, I guess. (laughs) So I went around the house, and I ended up finding our clothing iron. And I took the clothing iron, I showed it up to the class, and I said, you know, I have some wrinkles in this subject that I'm hoping this class is going to be able to iron out so that I can leave looking fly. I really, I really said that. Following Jesus is a, lot, is a lot like that. When we come to him, when he finds us, we are a wrinkled mess, but he irons out the wrinkles. Tenderhearted mercy Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience are ironed in by his expert hands to strengthen us. On April 7th, 2019, I watched with teary eyes as my beautiful wife, Susanna, walked down the aisle wearing the most beautiful wedding dress. And I I really was. I was crying. (laughs) It really happened. Uh, And that's what these qualities are like. They are like the most beautiful garments you can imagine. Do you want to know where Susanna's wedding dress is today? It's folded neatly up into a box, and it's hidden up in our closet. And if we don't make the choice to make these qualities our habits on earth, if we aren't choosing to put on this Christian outfit each day, then it's like these garments are folded neatly away in a box. We are the church, the bride of Christ. And the church should be trustworthy, non-judgmental, and forgiving. I don't know, maybe this is in my job description, but I spend a lot of time thinking about why people drift away from the church in our society today. That the East Bay is full of people who don't go to church. And, And I wonder if people did go to church, Would the people walk in and would they see us clothed in the outfit that Paul describes? Or do they see us clothed by our political party lines, media talking points, and judgmental attitudes? If you were to ask someone what they thought about the church, would they say it is a place of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? People are living and loving like Jesus. Or would they say something different. You know, one of the things the Bible is for our lives is a mirror. And just like how you check the mirror to make sure your outfit is in order, you know, you go in front of the mirror and you're like, oh, do I have any wrinkles? Does it look good? Okay, yeah, check. I'm ready. Just how you make sure your outfit's all ready to go to leave out into the world. The Bible is a mirror for us to make sure our habits, behaviors, character, our souls are aligned with God's will. You know, you can sometimes go to a department store, and in the fitting room, there will be that, have you seen that, the panel of mirrors? You ever seen that? I don't go into the middle of those panel of mirrors. Because you see what those mirrors do is, is they show off angles of myself that I don't like. So I avoid <laughs> standing in the middle of those things. Well, God's word is sometimes like a panel of mirrors showing us the angles in our lives where we need to surrender to God and rely on his love to bring improvement in us. God has laid out this beautiful outfit for us to wear. And there is always some tailoring and tapering that needs to be done to make sure it fits just right. But the outfit has to be worn. And these qualities are for our everyday lives. They are heavenly habits. They are our grace clothes. And we don't want to go anywhere without our grace clothes. Paul says, clothe yourselves. So here's the question. How do I apply these qualities to my life? 
And what I want to do is I want to do a word study over these five qualities that Paul mentions. Mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Is that okay? Okay, good. (laughs) I was going to do it anyway, but I'm glad we're on the same page. Understanding the deeper meaning of these words, I hope, will make applying them in our lives more seamless. That was a clothing joke. You get it? Seamless? It's not funny if you have to explain it. Okay. Let's start with tender-hearted mercy. In the Hebrew language, mercy is from the root word meaning female womb. The idea is that it is the feeling a mother has toward her baby. The Greek used a term that meant bowels of compassion to describe mercy because the Greek people located the deeper emotions in the gut. Tenderhearted, I don't know if you knew this, but tenderhearted means we are easily moved to love. So tenderhearted mercy is a deep emotion. To be clothed in tenderhearted mercy means to feel compassion for each other and to move into action to meet the needs of each other. And this tenderhearted mercy is to be extended to people we like as well as people we don't. Paul in Romans 5, chapter 10, uh, chapter 5, verse 10, says at one point we were enemies of God. But God, I believe, is on an all-out mission to see his enemies become his kids. God shows us tender-hearted mercy. I like to define mercy this way. Mercy is showing kindness when it's not expected. Tender-hearted mercy deeply moves us into action to meet the needs of others, even if they don't necessarily deserve it. We didn't deserve Jesus, but we got Jesus anyway. Hallelujah for that. The next part of our grace close is kindness. My grandma used to say, kindness is being nice on purpose. And I just love that. You know that feeling you get uh, maybe when you're, when you're pulling out of a gas station or an event or, or something, and you're trying to pull out into the lane, but there's car after car coming, and it's like this big traffic, and you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, I just want to get going where I need to get going. And as you're sitting there waiting, as car and car goes by, at some point, one person will kind of slow down to let you merge into their lane. Isn't that an awesome feeling? You you get into the lane and you kind of do the obligatory, oh, hey, thank you so much. That person showed you a kindness. And this is what God has done for us in Jesus. God has made it possible for us to get into his lane so we can go his way. God's kindness towards us is given all in the hopes that we would experience salvation. That God doesn't want us stuck in place. He wants us moving in his grace. And our world is in desperate need for kind people. It might just be the most wanted job in our world. And God, through his word, is equipping us to take on the role. Seriously, it is by our kindness. People get to see a glimpse of our kind God who sent Jesus to make a way for us to have a rich and satisfying life. I I thought about it this week, and I I came up with kindness is the byproduct of a soul saved by grace. And so if you are feeling angry or bitter, ask God to give you kindness instead. If you disagree with someone, don't disagree with anger. Disagree with kindness. Wherever we go, let's be nice on purpose. We aren't nice because we have to be. We're nice on purpose because we believe Jesus is kind to us. The next thing Paul lists is humility. C.S. Lewis famously said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. 
Humility is not a self-deprecating evaluation of yourself. It is a mindset to think of others first ahead of yourself. Uh, So many people live with a me-first approach in life. Humility flips that around to say, you first instead. When we are humble of mind, we think of others first and not ourselves. Next is gentleness. Now, uh, this is is good. The Greek word Paul is using here gives off the image of power under control. The word is used to describe a soothing wind, a healing medicine, or a horse being broken. In each of these instances, there is power. A wind can become a storm. Too much medicine can kill. A horse can break loose. But this is power under control. And as I was thinking about gentleness, I thought about how we use our words. And it made me think about a bank account. Okay, so go into the bank with me really quick. Correction and criticism are like withdrawals. Gentle words, encouragements, positive remarks are deposits. If you correct and criticize in relationships, you are eventually going to bankrupt the relationship. Power under control is finding the balance. Hopefully, we are making more deposits into people's lives than we are withdrawals because that's just good economics. It's good for our relationships too, whether it's with our kids, our churches, our parents, our spouses, our places of work, our churches, or or the Starbucks employee who got our order wrong. We put our power under control. Gentleness is a long-term investment with huge dividends. Lastly, Paul brings up patience. We have all sorts of things we say about patience, don't we? I'm losing my patience. I'm running low on patience. My my patience is growing thin. That's something I wish I could say. My waist is growing thin. My patience is growing thin. Patience is maybe one of the hardest virtues for us to display in our instant gratification culture. And the word that Paul uses for patience, get ready for this, is the Greek word that means long-suffering. In an age of Amazon one-day deliveries, push notifications, movies streaming into our living rooms, and instant Google results, we are called to have the attitude of long-suffering with one another. Why? Well, this is one of the main attributes of how God describes what he is like. God tells us he is slow to anger. God is patient, slow to anger, long-suffering. Well, that makes me think, who is God slow to anger, patient, and long-suffering with? (laughs) Me and you. It's us. The Targum, an ancient translation of the Hebrew Bible into Aramaic in Exodus 34, says this, God is patient, the one who makes anger distant and brings compassion near. Listen, God is patient with us. Some of us, we have to be patient with ourselves because we are having some serious doubts about how our life is going. We aren't measuring up. We don't feel qualified enough. We aren't where we thought we'd be. We maybe had a recent failure. Rest assured, God's compassion is near. Some of us, we need God-sized levels of patience with our families, our co-workers, our church family members, whoever it is. We need to know God's compassion is near. Others of us get a test of patience every time we drive. <laughs> That's me. Oh, gosh, I'm working on it. Hey, clothe yourself in patience. How you conduct yourself, your behavior, attitude, and words is shining a light for others to see that God's compassion is near and his anger is distant. Now, does this mean we won't get angry? No, God gets angry. God is most angry over the fact that evil is in the world. God has a righteous anger, a holy anger. God's anger is like the love of a parent for his kids. God wants us to live our best lives in the light of his love, free from evil. 
And he is patient with us as we take our human-sized steps towards his God-sized goodness. Be patient with each other as we take steps to becoming more like Jesus. None of us have it all figured out, but that doesn't mean we all aren't trying our best to get there. God is an unlimited source of patience. I thought about it. It's like being a guest at someone's house, and they give you a cup of water, and then you drink the water, and you say, I want some more water, and they say, no, you've had enough water. That's not going to happen. So if we think our patience is running out for someone else, that's not true. We can ask God for more, and he will fill us up. Paul lays out for us our outfit of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Then he tells us, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The motivation to forgive frees us to develop all of these other qualities in us. If anybody had the right to hold a grudge, it was Jesus. But he showed us what forgiveness looks like. I think a lot of us, we hold on to unforgiveness like we're trying to use it to hurt the other person. But all we're doing is we're limiting, our, we're limiting ourselves from experiencing these other qualities. Because when we forgive, we are releasing the wrinkles of life into Jesus' expert hands. We are trusting he will make something out of nothing. He will heal what is hurting. He will redeem what is broken. And he will bring joy where there is sorrow. The Bible tells us that we are chosen by God, set apart for God, and forgiven by God. And those three things all add up to grace. Forgiveness opens our eyes to see more of God's grace. And the more grace we see, the more love we will extend around us. Love is the final thing Paul says to clothe ourselves in. Love is what binds it all together. God makes beautiful things. He's put together this beautiful outfit for us to wear into the world. Dressed in our grace clothes, we are living, breathing examples of what God is like. These clothes are meant to shape our habits and form our relationships on earth. And here is what Paul says will happen as a result of being clothed in this outfit. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together. And I love this in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. The context here is a group. Every person sitting around you has struggled or is struggling with something. Sitting around you, you have encouragement, reinforcement, mentorship, and life experience, and love is the stitching that holds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, how many of you want to see perfect harmony here on this earth? I do. I heard a story about an instructor that stood up to teach a seminar. He asked the people gathered, what percentage of shared responsibility do you have in making a relationship work? One person said 50-50, rationalizing that both people must be willing to share the responsibility evenly to make the relationship work. 51-49 another person said, arguing that relationships are built on self-sacrifice. Another person said 80-20. The instructor turned and wrote on his whiteboard 100-0 and said, you have to be willing to give 100% with zero expectation of receiving anything in return. Only when you're willing to take 100% of responsibility for making the relationship work will it work. Otherwise, a relationship left to chance will always be vulnerable to disaster. Isn't that profound? Listen, God didn't want to leave our relationship with him up to chance. So he sent Jesus. God gave his 100% in Jesus with zero expectation of receiving anything in return. God loves us so much, he went to extraordinary lengths to display for us his mercy, his kindness, his humility, his gentleness, and his patience. We are friends of Jesus, and hopefully we are giving our 100% to one another. 
If you really want to live your best life, shine a light for Jesus, improve your mood, give a smile to someone. Give a gentle word free of charge. Slow down to give someone the chance to merge into your lane. Yes, even when you're driving. Give an embrace. Give to someone who has a need you can meet. Give with zero expectation of getting anything back in return. Be nice on purpose, and you will find joy flood into your life. After all, it is how we love that the world will know we belong to Jesus. And so Hillside, may we live what we say we believe about God. And may we love richly, deeply, and boldly dressed in our grace clothes. Let's pray. God, you have given us this glorious outfit. When we say yes to Jesus, we are also putting off our grave clothes, the things that are leading us towards destruction. And God, we are now able to put on our grace clothes. And it's not because of anything we've done. It's because of everything you've done. And so, God, I pray that for every single one of us here, we would make the choice to make these qualities our habits. We would make the choice to wear these qualities every day. We would make the choice that wherever we go, we want to take you with us, and we want to show off who you are to the world around us. We are going to look so good in these grace clothes. May we wear them proudly. God, thank you for who you are, everything you've done for us, your beautiful character, and that you want to be in relationship with us. May we walk with you today, this week, the rest of our lives. In your awesome, awesome name, amen.
Ephesians 3, 18 through 20 says this, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is His love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. May you go dressed in your grace clothes, knowing you've got a God who just thinks the world of you. And he wants to use you to make a difference in the world around you. Be blessed, Hillside family. We love you. We'll see you later. <laughs>